Today is Friday, May 20th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 461, featuring longtime NBA writer and author Ian Thompson, is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Okay, here we go. Another new edition of Celtics Beat. This one, look, people have been asking the, 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 I don't know, six of you that reached out to me, where's the new show? Where's the, the new Celtics Beat? What is going on? And, and, you know, normally we do drop on Thursday or Friday. So this is not irregular. It's just, you know, we didn't have a show since the Milwaukee series ended to then preview the Miami series. And I think it just feels off. And now we're sort of jumping into this thing two games in, but I guess on the bright side, we really didn't miss anything. Adam Kaufman, Ian Thompson, as mentioned in the intro, longtime NBA writer. It is now a best of five. So throw out all that best of seven stuff. Doesn't matter anymore. They split in Miami. It's a best of five. And the Celtics, at least for now, hold home court advantage with game three coming to the garden Saturday night, or as we chat right now, tomorrow night. So should be a lot of fun. And uh, Ian, I mean, there, there are a lot of very specific points to this Series two games in, game two in particular, obviously fresh in our minds and looking forward and all that that I want to get to over the course of, you know, however long we're chatting. But if I could just if if I could just hit you with a big picture thing that just kind of dawned on me after watching game two, that was so much fun. It was, you know, I, I know the third quarter wasn't great, but the Celtics did play even with the heat. And overall, just a a game in which Boston was so in command and for the most part everything went right and draining 23s and and you know Marcus Smart playing out of his mind and Al Horford looking like he's 25 and Tatum doing Tatum things and Brown doing Brown things and the length of the bench and Pritchard talking trash and on and on and on my big picture thing is man I am I am really gonna miss this team whenever it ends whenever it's done and whether that means in this round, which I don't think will happen, or in the finals, or with a parade even. I am just, you know, no team year to year is the same. Even if the roster is mostly the same, you know, it's not the same. You know, guys can get hurt. Obviously, there are trades. Maybe something just doesn't click the way it did the year before. Every season is its own season. I know that. I'm really going to miss this team. This team is a ton of fun. No no doubt. And there, you know, on the one hand, Everybody, I think, who's a fan of the Celtics is really enjoying this team, having gone 18 and 21 to start. And it's sort of like two ends of a spectrum, the way they started and now the way they're finishing. So and then you think you think about how young the best players are uh, and you think they have a long window ahead of them. But I'm with you if I'm reading you correctly you're watching this with a sense of urgency. Like they have to cash in here. They have to make the mm-hmm. most of this because you cannot count on this going forward. This There's this honeymoon period that's going on right now with a new coach. And he came in at the perfect time. Uh, they were ready to listen to him. And they're clearly listening to everything he says. Uh, even in the first half of the year, they were having trouble implementing it, but they stuck with it. And that was a real sign that that there was a future to this partnership between them and their coach. So you just cannot count on them playing like this in future seasons. Even if they bring everybody back, this is just one of those perfect storm kind of things. You know, I, 
if you remember the Spurs last championship, Adam, mm-hmm. uh, they had lost the previous year to Miami to Ray Allen's corner three. Yeah, and, of course. Uh, yeah. And then the next year they came in and they played some of the most beautiful basketball anyone ever saw that happened all year. And it culminated in the finals is ballet. Right. Mm-hmm. The next year, I remember being around the Spurs the next year and they were unable to conjure that back up. And they were so frustrated. They were like, why, why aren't we playing as beautifully as we did the previous year? They brought everybody back. They had all the same players. It just doesn't carry over. Like you said, so they're, they're, as young as these guys are, as maybe as much as they are maybe ahead of their time, they are playing fantastic basketball. Um, really, the most beautiful basketball of any team in the playoffs, including Golden State, and um, they really have to see this through now. They and and if they don't see it through all the way, as beautifully as they played. I promise you they're all going to be really disappointed and it's going to leave a real sour taste regardless of how many more chances they have down the road. I think they all know this is their chance right now. Well, and what's so fascinating too, and, and there's a lot even just there with what you mentioned to hit on, like, you know, you mentioned 18 and, and, or, and 21, like 39 games, Ian, and, and you know, this other people know this, like they were 25 and 25, they were 50 games into their year with 32 yeah. to go in the regular season, you know, before everything, before they just became virtually unbeatable, obviously, and, and have then carried over, you know, into the postseason and what they've continued. And over the course of that, they went from, did they, did they hire the right coach? Do they have to trade one of the Jays to make this work to, you know, man, what kind of chances do you give them in the playoffs to, are they contenders to now where we are, which is not only obviously are they contenders, they are, but it's, you know, are they favorites? Like, do they, should they of the final four, you know, Miami, Dallas and Golden State being the others, should they be the favorites to win the championship? So the evolution of this team has been so fascinating. I don't want people to I don't want to set the the wrong tone for this show for anyone out there listening I don't want people to think I'm sitting here being Debbie Downer and like man enjoy this while it lasts because next year's gonna suck you know Horford's gonna age overnight if they bring them back overall and Tatum or Brown or you know Rob Williams or smarter like somebody's gonna suffer a catastrophic injury and there's just no way that's not my point my point is this has just been incredible this has been such an unusual season in NBA history when you factor in how they began and where they've come to where they've gone and where they're hopefully going, the, 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 the full story and books, if they win a championship will be written about this year and how weird this year has been, but how amazing this year has been. I do want to at least acknowledge, you know, you've mentioned whether it was the Spurs and that dynasty. And I don't mean like the 20 year dynasty, but you know, they had, pockets you know years-long stretches where they were regularly championship contenders or even winning championships Lakers Bulls Golden State obviously with you know a five-year run where nobody could touch them essentially unless LeBron was on the other side we could very well be at the beginning of that for for the Celtics so I don't want to say that's not the case I just don't want anyone to take what we're seeing right now for granted yeah, you're saying live in the moment, right? That's yeah. that's all you're saying. Just enjoy this and don't don't look ahead, really. Just enjoy this for what it is, knowing all that's gone into it, all the years of investment in these two young players. And all the Celtics fans, uh, you know, they've seen the growth of these two guys and Marcus Smart and other guys on the roster. Mm-hmm. They, 
And, and all the times when there were doubts about what it was going to turn into. And did Jason Tatum have that passion? Um, uh, a year ago, whoever would have thought that Ime Udoka would be coaching the Celtics? Sure. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, who was thinking Brad Stevens was on his way out? It's These things happen fast. Um, you know, the, there is a lot to talk about. I mean, I, I actually think Brad Stevens deserves a lot of credit as coach going in. It's easy to trash him now, but, um, you know, he he's the setup guy mm-hmm. for all this. He laid the foundation, and you see that with other teams, right? Uh, Doug Collins kind of did that for the Bulls or who else? Dwayne Casey did for the Raptors sure. before Nick Nurse came in. Um, I have one more. Mark Jackson yeah, with the Warriors yeah, for sure. set them up defensively. Mm-hmm. A bunch of offensive players became defenders under him. And then Steve Kerr came in. And so that's sort of what Brad has done. And then and then knowing the roster as well as he did made, made the, the finishing touches to it to fill in what they were lacking. And I'm sure what what they have now exceeds all his expectations for what they could be. I mean, it's uh, because because of the way Jason Tatum's playing now, and mm-hmm. and Jalen Brown to a lesser extent, but Jason Tatum as this uh, bird esque kind of playmaker. I mean, he's, I should never make that comparison, right? But, um, but look, he keeps going you, at the rate he's going. People are going to be making it for many years. They are, but it's the decision-making and the way the, the, they play through him now, whether he was the finisher and now now he's the conduit, whether it's putting the ball in the basket or making it so someone else can do that. And the, the quick ball movement. And mm-hmm. one other thing, Adam, if, if, now's a good time to uh, rebut all these people uh, who say that coaching doesn't matter in the NBA. Sure. When you think about how uh, Jason Tatum in particular was playing at the start of the year compared to the way he's playing now. And that's, that's coaching. That's a coach who made an investment with him last summer, you know, uh, when they were together and, um, and kept on him about it and wouldn't let him give up on it. Even though the results weren't there, he, they stuck with it, believing it would work out. A little bit like what uh, Doc Rivers did with Paul Pierce, telling him to trust the pass, and they butted heads. Mm-hmm. We never saw Jason Tatum and, and Udoka butting heads, did we? we didn't, there's no hint of that. Uh, they seem to be on the same ground the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so this idea that, that coaching doesn't matter, I think we can all dismiss that for sure based on what's going on with this team. Well, and I think, too, it's a little, and I'm not saying this was your intention, obviously, but I think it's a little trying to think the word I'm looking for it's 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 almost unfair or it doesn't give enough credit when when you know you refer to a guy like Brad Stevens as a setup guy for for this reason to me because he did more than you know lay the foundation just with obviously the you know so much of the roster having played for him and you know is stylistically like very rarely do you see obviously a guy go I don't know how many times this happened in in you know the last say 30 years I'm sure in the earlier days in the NBA it was you know maybe more common but how often a guy goes from directly to head you know from head coach to the top decision maker president of basketball operations you know within the same organization year to year to where he can and I I don't want to suggest like you know not enough like I I don't want to take any credit 
away from Danny Ainge. I think Danny Ainge is, is perennially underrated, quite frankly, in the way that he rebuilt this organization multiple times. I think his drafting doesn't get nearly enough credit, but because, you know, maybe where we are or look at the scoreboard, if you will, like, you know, people sort of cling to, well, how many championships did he win is almost, you know, in 15 to 20 years in Boston. It's, it's the one. And so people say he didn't necessarily do enough. And, you know, I look at it and I say, all right, Danny obviously put together the majority of the existing roster. You know, he, he drafted their key guys, whether it's, you know, Brown and Tatum and smart and Williams. And obviously you could look at other members of the rotation, Grant Williams and Pritchard. And uh, you know, he previously had acquired or signed, you know, Tice and Horford who Brad then reacquired having, you know, coached them and developed obviously an appreciation for them. But, you know, Brad then took it to another level, Brad, it was always so clear Brad's imprint, you know, from day one, from, you know, going back to Butler, his, his, you know, legacy as a head coach, however good or bad it was going to be, was going to be very defense dependent. And so, you know, his decisions, obviously, so far as as Pobo, and I think he's done, you know, a far better job than I expected him to. I think he's done an excellent job. Not that I ever thought he'd do poorly, but he's he's done really, really well. Like, I don't think you can even point to a trade that he has lost to this point, uh, you know, even at, at worst, if you will. And, you know, for him to, again, just put his imprint, you know, further from head coach to now in this role. I'm going to hire a defensive-minded head coach who's maybe a little bit, tougher, you know, mentally or, or, you know, audibly uh, or, or, or just in demeanor or whatever than, than he was and, you know, coach these guys uh, uh, just differently. They needed obviously a change of pace. Maybe they needed a guy who played the game at the highest level, like Udoka. Maybe they needed a guy who came from, you know, the, the Popovich tree, call it what you want, obviously, but a defensive minded guy and then goes out and obviously reacquires Horford reacquires Tice brings in Derek White congrats to him by the way on the birth of his new son Hendricks you know he he has shaped all of this you know to a a place where then Ime can obviously take the baton and take it to where it's gotten I just think it's been such a collaborative effort I know I'm rambling it's been such a collaborative effort to what they've been able to do it's it's a large part of I think you know we always talk blame pies it's like credit pie you know is 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 another thing that we never do and and there's so much of it that can be sprinkled around Uh, truly and just think about how much humility uh, Brad has had to show I mean this is been uh he's been a prodigy as a coach everywhere he's been first at butler and in his early years at the celtics people would ask is he the best coach in the nba i i always felt like you have to prove that in the playoffs but Mm -hmm. he looked like a guy that could be the best coach in the nba someday and um but for him to become the president of the team having been the former coach and then to go and hire a coach that essentially fills out Brad's own weaknesses. So for him to hire Ime means that he was saying to himself, I lacked in this, but this guy can fill it. I wasn't able to do this, but this guy can do what I didn't do. And some guys, uh, it's almost like when you see retired players complaining about the modern generation of players and they say, oh, it isn't as good as when I played or when I played, we were tougher or whatever. Brad easily, someone in Brad's position easily could have gone in and tried to fight his old battles and say, no, you're going to do it the way I tried to do it. 
and you know that I was right when I was coaching. They weren't listening, and I want you to do what I. No, he 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 put them on a different track, but by doing that, he's implicitly admitting to his own weaknesses, and that is a team-minded person. That's what he asks of all his players to do, right? He asks them to to confront their own weaknesses and get better at them. Well, that's exactly what he did with this hire. And then and then um, taking what he knew as a coach and trying to give the resources to the new coach so the new coach could do better than he had done in the past, which again, isn't going to make him look better. is isn't going to make Brad look better. It's gonna, people are going to be saying, boy, this guy's a lot better than the last coach we had. He knows yeah. that. But he wants that to happen. He wants it to happen. So, you know, I, I just I just think in this modern world, big money, big fame, big egos, this guy really is has been the same thing all along. It's never been about him. It's always been about the group, about helping players get better. In this case, it's helping new coach, new coaching staff do the best they can and I just think it says a lot of him that he was willing to to make a priority the thing that he's always preached. Do you think, and I mean, we're well off course. We haven't even talked about this series yet, but, you know, I, I was planning on saving some of the big picture stuff at the end, but I just, I find it really interesting. Do you think, like Brad has certainly in, in various radio TV interviews over, over the course of the year, you know, sort of hinted at or, or flat out said aspects of coaching he absolutely doesn't miss you know the 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 fact like you know pining over game film late at night not obviously when you're looking to scout a guy but you know game to game preparing for matchups and and uh you know like sleepless nights because of a loss or you know whatever it may be or you know who's going to start tonight you know is this guy going to be prepared to come back from injury and and help you out for tomorrow's game he's you know he's been asked questions along those lines so many times and oftentimes will laugh and say I'm so happy that's not my problem anymore you know when you couple the 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 Celtics at least success to this point we'll see if it goes all the way obviously you know with just the job that he has done to this point in in further elevating them from where they were when he was head coach it 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 seems like I, I haven't talked to him about it but it seems like He's really, really enjoying this new path, you know, this, this, you know, aspect of his career that, you know, I'm not sure he ever foresaw, you know, I'd have to imagine at least in his early days with the Celtics and certainly before that, you know, like I'm, I want to be pop or I want to be Pat Riley, or I want to be, you know, Phil Jackson, like all this perfect world. Like I want to coach forever and I want to win a bunch of championships, you know, I, or, or like, Oh, we'll see how this goes. Even when he got the job, but I want to get back to coaching. How do you think he feels about it right now? Like, do you think this is a role that he wants to hold for a long time? Oh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know about that. Um, But I do know if he's not enjoying it now, he will never enjoy it because it's never going to be better than what he has right now. I mean, it's all downhill from here. Well, <laughs> short of winning a championship anyway. Yeah, but it'll never go as well as this. This is uh, every movie's made has worked out and the coach is working out great. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's an underdog story to quote Bill Murray. Yeah. So, so it's, I mean, this is, this is just, again, it's, it's all, perfect right now um you know adam the 
when you look at the roster individually of the players that they have, mm-hmm. and when people were criticizing Danny Ainge, it was for some of the draft picks he made. Who are some of these players? You know, some of these guys before the last few months were being criticized for not, not they shouldn't have been picked. There is definitely uh, a some of the parts thing going on with this team where if you took some of these guys and put them on other NBA teams, Al Horford's a perfect example, went to Philly mm-hmm. and disappeared in Oklahoma City, said, well, you're good. We might win too many games with you, but nobody's <laughs> been talking. Nobody's talking about Al Horford. As like what a, a favor that's player. been, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, you know, or Grant or a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so you put them on um, other teams and they you'd say, wow, why – why did we want this guy so badly? He's not doing for us what he did for Boston, but it works right now with this team because everybody's doing what they're supposed to do at the highest level. And it's, it's just working out great for them. Um, but that's so, so as good of a job as Brad has done with some of the trades and, and how it, it's all what you were talking about earlier. It's all of it coming together and fitting together and, and creating balance to the picture. Um, the way artists talk about, you have to have balance in, in a painting and, you know, have the sun in the upper corner and something darkness down here and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. They, they've got that going on with this team and it just makes everybody look better than they would be in other situations. It makes Brad look better. It makes Udoka looked better. Al Horford has never looked better. Grant Williams, people are calling him Steph Curry. That never <laughs> would have been imaginable before. And J- Jason Tatum is a playmaker and something no one was talking about. So everybody right now looks good. And there have been a few teams over the years. I go, I always, I'm so old. I go back to the Portland Trailblazers with Bill Walton. Hmm. A bunch of guys that couldn't play in the NBA today surrounded by this one great player, Maurice Lucas. And, and it was, it was an amazing formula in the Spurs, the way they look great. And so I don't know, it, it, everybody looks better than they would be in other situations right now. Let's take a quick break. Tell you about our good friends at bet online. Uh, of course, bet online, the chief sponsor of this podcast and uh, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and odds, you can find the latest sports developments, including this week's odds on the Major League Baseball season, which is only, what, a, a month and change in or so. We have odds for the 2022-2023 uh, NFL campaign. Of course, the Super Bowl coming in 2023. Patriots, if you want to believe, are plus 4,000 to win it all. So if uh, you want to put a little coin on that. Celtics, of course, minus 285 right now to win the series against the Heat. If you never lost hope and you shouldn't have, the time to bet on that was uh, after the game one loss. You would have gotten a much better number. Celtics are plus 155 to win the title. That was plus 725 as recently as I think just a week ago. So tells you what Vegas thinks, obviously, the Boston Celtics. The Warriors are the favorites at plus 110 as of right now. The Heat and Mavs, uh, obviously, after those two top options, you could uh, put – money on your exact finals matchup you think it'll be the celtics and warriors that's the favorite minus 140 heat and warriors are plus 300 celtics mavs plus 475 then uh heat mavs which i don't think anybody expects is plus 1200 bet online 
Your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting. That's always fun. Your favorite Vegas casino and poker games as well. Super easy to get you started. Just join up today. Learn why everybody is saying that Bet Online is the fastest, easiest way to wager on all the popular sports and games. Bet Online where the game starts. All right. So anyone who is listening to this show, we thank you for being with us, obviously. is probably thinking, I mean... Look, this big picture stuff is fun, but save it for the offseason. Cough, Ian, good God. Like, there's a series happening. There's a season that is going on right now. Let's talk about the first couple of games and look beyond here in the uh, East Finals. The Celtics and Heat, as mentioned off the top, are even at one. So, um, obviously, the, the Celtics, they bounce back, Ian, from a, a very disappointing game one that that in many ways can just be summed up by an absolutely atrocious third quarter you know you don't have that quarter the Celtics win that game going away if they play even close to even in that quarter let alone getting outscored by 25 points Uh, they did trail by 10 early in game two but showed resolve went on a great run there to close out the first and into the second quarter led by 25 at the half never looked back that was with Smart and Horford back who of course missed game one Derek White was out again, the birth of his son. So uh, maybe he's sitting around listening to this podcast. And um, what was great is you had the blowouts. You could get the starters out with six or so minutes left and get some rest for guys going into Saturday in game three back in Boston. I felt, Ian, I I, I know we didn't have the podcast in between, but I certainly said it on Twitter and, and other places where I did interviews that I had the Celtics in six going into this series. I have no reason to feel differently about it right now. You know, I'm not going to sit here and proclaim, you know, series is over. Like it's, it's a best of five in Miami. There are aspects of the heat that are still very, very scary that, you know, still give me nightmares going back to the bubble. But what I've seen so far in these two games and, and I could get more specific, but obviously I want to hear from you is I just, the Celtics to me are so much better than Miami. They're just so much better than Miami in so many different ways to where, I mean, I, I truly believe, like, put Vegas stuff aside. I mean, it, it would be beyond an upset. It would be, like, borderline catastrophic in the minds of Celtics fans if they went through the Nets with that star power and went through the Bucks with the depth of that roster and obviously Giannis on the other side and then lost to the Heat with an opportunity to go to the NBA Finals. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I saw this a six game series for the Celtics coming in um, uh, that third quarter, I think based in on the context of the second game can say that the third quarter had a lot to do with fatigue, maybe coming off that Milwaukee series that was very demanding and then traveling the next day. And um, what I notice is at times, except for that third quarter, um, there's just been so much more space for the Celtics offensively to operate than they ever had against Milwaukee. And they, they are attacking the rim, believing they're going to be able to convert layups, which they couldn't take for granted against Milwaukee. They, they really had trouble finishing around the basket around all that size and strength. And they haven't had to worry about that as much. It's just like, it's like, it's like, it's been a little bit like taking the donut off the bat. You know, and it's just uh, everything's lighter and easier for them. Uh, that Milwaukee series really toughened them up. And obviously it took a lot out of them going into the first game. But I think it's partly why they had so much confidence going into the second game. They knew what they had overcome with Milwaukee. And they knew it said something real about them. It wasn't a fluke. They had earned it day after day. And 
I mean, watching those games against Milwaukee, all the, all those different times where you were saying they need to score in this possession to keep control of the game. There were a lot of possessions like that in the second halves of those games against Milwaukee. So, and going up against a guy like Giannis, as good as Jimmy Butler is, he's not Giannis. Um, so, I just, I just think between um, the fact that they had a size disadvantage against Milwaukee. Yeah, now they have a size advantage across the board uh, against Miami. Uh, I do think they're more talented than Miami. Uh, Miami's obviously missing Kyle Lowry, which is part of what happens when you invest in the guy with as much mileage as he's got. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'd be surprised if they didn't win the series and didn't move on and weren't playing the Warriors in the finals. Well, let's just preview that series then. I mean, this, the, the, we, we don't need to worry about the heat anymore. No, I, I think one of the, uh, there are a couple of things. I, I, well, there are so many things, but I think, you know, first off, and this is again, more just a bigger picture thing, the resolve by the Celtics, you know, it goes back to the regular season as well in that second half, but in particular, obviously here in the playoffs, because that's what matters most because you're playing the best competition, the resolve from the Celtics, the resilience, the, you know, just the, the attitude, the, you know, there's no, like, there's so much grit. There's so much confidence. There's so much, like, there's no letdown. There's no quit. There's no, I mean, they're four and now with that winning game too. They're four and oh after a loss in these playoffs, you know, obviously the three times against the bucks and most recently against Miami, but they've won those games in such dominating fashion. Ian, I mean, they've won by an average of about 17, 18 points, Jason Tatum has gone off in almost all of them. He's averaging north of 30 points in those four games, you know, and he's shooting, I don't know, 60 or so percent from the field in those games as well. You know, it's, it's really, there's an aspect of obviously he hasn't done it alone. We know that, but there's, there's that enough, like get on my, like the Cedric Maxwell, get on my back boys. Like there's, you know, Tatum knows when he has to assert himself and more often than not, obviously He's, he's better than good. He's playing like a superstar, but there are certain moments, whether it's after a dud, he very rarely has back-to-back duds anymore, especially here in the postseason. or if it's just, we need this win. You know, it's not literally, it's not mathematically a must win, but this is a must win. We cannot drop two games in Miami going back to Boston. We have to win this game. And he wasn't the top star in game two. You know, I, I would argue that was smart, but he was the leading scorer. And he did shoot incredibly well. And he only took 13 shots. He was amazingly efficient. To your point earlier, he knows, you know, he's confident enough now that and trusts his teammates enough now that he says, all right, I'm willing to pass the ball because I know I'm going to get it back. You know, the, the yeah. ball movement is going to be, you know, that much better, obviously, than, than it was much earlier in the year. I just collectively, there's, again, something about this group that, that there's there's just that little bit of attitude or or a lot of bit of attitude that uh, it it shines through. Yeah, and you do you see it in teams that you know I, I'm not saying the Celtics are are going to win the championship or definitely going to win the championship. But That's you the next see show. It, we'll talk about that on the next show. Well, but you see it in um, you see it in teams that do win championships. You saw it in the Red Sox last time they won, sure. where every guy was going up to hit and who was the MVP of that series? I mean, it was just yeah, it was, uh, Steve Pierce. Yeah. Steve Pierce is <laughs> of all Grant people. Williams. Grant Williams. Yeah. So, so like it just got, everybody is swinging the bats well and, and you're getting all this timely two out hitting and that's what the Celtics are doing right now. They're replicating that. Um, 
And so part of it is, you know, you have to have the talent and everything's coming together, but you have to be playing your best basketball at this time of year. And more so than any other team in the playoffs, the Celtics are doing that. Um, Jason Tatum, for him to show the resiliency you were talking about and to, to be the guy that sets that example for the rest of the players, for him to be doing it at his age, uh, it's I'm of two minds of this. That first of all, he's ahead of schedule. Yeah. But on the other hand, how many guys uh, have this many conference finals at that age and have this right. much experience and going up against a guy like LeBron James in the game seven and being credited after that game um, and and getting criticism the way he's done and people demanding that he do more uh, because he's in Boston and you're the leader of the Celtics and you should be, as, you know, in other cities, we'd be praising you, but here, no, you're getting criticized because more is expected. Um, most of these guys that win a championship at his age, they have an older guy alongside him, an older star alongside him, like Dwayne Wade had with Shaq, or uh, I, I don't know, there's a lot of magic had with Kareem. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Luka Doncic is missing in Dallas. He doesn't have that older guy. He's having to figure it out for himself, and this is his first time through. But this is not Jason Tatum's first time through. This is, you know, he's he's been through this before with different coaches, different systems against different opponents. The difference this time is when he went up against LeBron, he didn't have the wherewithal to outdo LeBron. Now he had the wherewithal to, to beat Giannis. He had, he had the backing of teammates to beat him, but he had also come along himself physically and and his skills, uh, his vision for, for creating for others, his outlook uh, the resilience, um, the insistence that, no, we're going to do it now. I'm not thinking about next year anymore. It's now. This is the time right now. All of that kind of stuff is making him into an older player than than his birth certificate says. Hmm. You know, one of the other uh, just really big aspects to this series so far, at least through two games, is yeah, you mentioned Jimmy Butler, and we could talk all all we want about Jimmy Butler and and you know his big games and and the the fierceness of him as a competitor. Like Eric Spolster talking, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something to the effect of, you know, a lot of guys, you know, some some play to play, some play to win, some you know, some compete for titles or however exactly he phrased it. I'm butchering it, but you know, it was like Butler's the the cream of the crop when it comes to competitiveness was the general yeah. message, and. Yes you know, he can go out and, and have his big games, have his big third quarters, draw all those fouls, get to the free throw line. Like I'm, I respect Jimmy Butler and, and, you know, in the sense that he's a very, very good player. I don't think, I don't look at Jimmy Butler the way I look at KD or the way I look at Giannis. Maybe I should, because he's, he's an elite clutch performer. He really is. But I, I just don't think Jimmy Butler is going to beat you by himself. You know, he's, there's, he just, he's not, he's not going to drop 50 on you, you know, typically I know he had the 40, whatever in game one, but he's not, he's not a guy. He might steal you a game, but he's not going to guy that's going to win a series by himself. He needs help, obviously. And whether you're talking about hero sixth man of the year, you know, some of those other complimentary parts there, but, but what I'm drilling down at is bam Adebayo, 
that, I mean, I still, when I think back to the bubble and, and the potential for that Celtics team that year, Bam Adebayo was the one that wrecked it. They had no answer, no answer. You want to talk about Duncan Robinson and hero and all he did. And obviously Butler Bam was the reason they lost that series. They had no, re- no way of stopping Bam Adebayo. They, they just couldn't do it. I mean, he averaged, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it now. He averaged 22 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, and a couple steals a game in that conference final in 2020. So far, a couple games into this one, eight points, not even seven rebounds, less than two assists. He has been invisible. And I don't want to say his success is dictated solely by statistics. He opens up a lot for them offensively. His impact on the glass goes beyond how many individual rebounds he has. He's a very good player, but so far, the Celtics have largely taken him out of this series. And it's been a huge, huge difference. Yeah, no. And that, again, I think is Milwaukee, the Milwaukee series, just making it, conditioning them to deal with someone like him and bottle him up. And um, they they were trying to do that with Giannis and they really couldn't, but they can do it. They can do it with Bam. And uh, just, the, the length of the Celtics and the athleticism of their defense and, and their ability to switch and just never let them out of their sight, no matter what's going on with the Miami offense, no matter where the ball's being moved, the switching, the rotating of the Celtics uh, defense, they, they can keep a, a, a whirlpool going around them. <laughs> so he can't, he can't, he can't rise up and, get some fresh air out of it you know well what was really surprising too is they even did it going small like rob williams in game two only played 20 minutes sure sure but but even when they go small there's so much size there and so much athleticism and they play with such force they're such a a physically impacting team um they there's no finesse to them they you know you i think i think opponents know they played the celtics I mean, they just wear guys out. They wore Kevin Durant out and Giannis was exhausted at the end. And I just think it's really, really difficult to play that team. But what what I'm also really interested in here, Adam, is this idea of Jimmy Butler. And I think I think everybody should be fearing Jimmy Butler going into game three. I'm not saying Miami's going to win the game. But so so think about why why Celtics fans are so confident right now about the Celtics championship hopes. And it's a little bit because of what we talked last time about uh, can Jason Tatum be the number one guy on the championship team? And I think with each passing playoff round, people have felt more and more confident that he can be that. Um, When Jimmy Butler was signed by Miami, when he left Philly to go Mm -hmm. to Miami and they gave him all that money, I don't think, I don't think anybody around the league was saying, okay, that's a game changer for Miami. They now have the number one player. But you know that Jimmy Butler's always thought of himself like that. Jimmy yeah. Butler's always thought of himself, I'm the number one guy on a great team, and I'm going to show everybody. And he's been trying to show that in the playoffs this year. And so w- when we're talking about the resilience of Jason Tatum and how he's trying to win it now and not thinking about future years, this is it, this is everything, living in the moment, I think Jimmy Butler's doing that more than anybody right now. I mean, he's had an amazing playoff series. He's been their one guy that they can rely on in these first two games. Um, and I think he's really trying to prove something here. Uh, this is his moment in his career. If he doesn't do it now, uh, is he going to be too old in future years? Is the team going to be as good around him in future years? He, 
he knows better than anybody. You can't, you can't take for granted what's going to happen next year. This is his time. He's, he's laying it all down here and going into game three in Boston. I think he's going to be saying to himself, I've got to play the game of my life here. I've got to show who I am. Never mind all this Jason Tatum talk. I'm going to show that I'm the guy here. And I, I think we're going to see a great game from Jimmy Butler in, in game three and maybe game four too, but game three is the one for him to make his move. It's possible people hear this show, Ian, and say, cough, you're taking the heat for granted. Like this is, this is ridiculous. Like you've already penciled the Celtics into the NBA finals to face the Warriors. So you tell me, you know, we're both sitting here and saying Boston and six. So obviously we believe in the Celtics, but what derails this? What wrecks this? What spoils this good time? Well, uh, you know, knock on wood, you don't wish this for anybody, but an injury. Sure. You know, but, I, but with what we, you know, know and can anticipate. Well, Jimmy Butler, I re, you know, Jimmy Butler is not LeBron James, but I was at that game uh, in Boston when LeBron James played the greatest game he's ever played and single-handedly beat the Celtics and uh, won that uh that I think it was the Eastern finals. Yeah. It was a 2012. Yeah. He won it all by himself. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Butler isn't going to dominate like that, but um, he has enough around him. Where is he? If he's occupying enough attention, if he's going for 40 with a lot of assists and uh, everybody's having to worry about him more so than normal, then maybe Bam does have a better game now. And maybe the other guys, maybe Duncan Robinson, who, who uh, started to play in the second half uh, the other night. Maybe he's starting to make shots and maybe he creates confidence in them that they didn't have before. And maybe he's making plays on defense, which he can do, you know, he can create instant uh, easy baskets at the other end with the way he steals the ball with his instincts. So that, that to me is the one way I can see uh, the narrative being changed a little bit, maybe not, throughout the entire series because we've seen playing against the Celtics, it's hard to make it last. It's hard to endure for seven games. It's hard to play at that high level at both ends of the floor for the entirety of the series. But we're talking about the next two games in Boston. How can the Heat grab one and really make it the series? Um, That's how it would be through Jimmy Butler. There were uh, many stories into game two, obviously, you know, beginning with Derek White and, and his, uh, you know, unavailability, obviously, and understandably going back to Boston for the birth of his child for all the idiots out there that were saying you don't do that. I mean, I, I just I, I don't even have time for you. Uh, but, you know, Al Horford, obviously, uh, overcoming whatever it was. I mean, we we still don't know publicly or on the record if he is vaccinated we don't know if he tested positive if it was a false positive if he was a close contact all we know is you know he he tested out of protocols and was able to play in game two and people now look at you know him not playing game one and and playing 33 minutes in game two as this potential blessing in disguise because it was more rest for a guy obviously who's on the wrong side of 35 and is playing as well as he is with uh, these games every other night but Marcus Smart to me is is the number one you know comes back from uh, obviously the, the sprained foot didn't shoot particularly well, but still, you know, an assist or a, a rebound shy of a triple double, you know, he had the dozen assists, the nine rebounds, the 24 points. He had uh, the, the three steals. He was a plus 31. Like he was 
exceptional, both ends of the floor. He had a great game. And it's, it's just so funny to me, I guess, in a lot of ways that like the guy just won defensive player of the year. He's had so many big moments, so many big games already in the playoffs this year, never mind throughout his career. And it's, but still like he's being asked these questions post game about, you know, do you feel you're finally kind of starting to get appreciated as a point guard and within this role? And what does this mean to you? And where does your toughness come from? What's your mindset? And all this, so we're, we're just, we're really seeing uh, sort of in, in real time, this, this exponential growth for Marcus Smart, especially, you know, after signing a big contract. It's so rare that a guy signs a big contract and gets better after the fact and actually cares to get better after the fact and puts in the work to get better after the fact. And this is a guy that is, you know, he he's just, I don't know, I'm a smart truther. I am. And I feel like there are a lot of people that either you love him or you hate him. He's incredibly polarizing. There's no in between. And I am a guy who will never see the opposite side. I'll recognize the bad games or bad moments, but more often than not, I love me. I, I love, and I trust Marcus smart Ian. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to see it. I, I feel like this is a guy I've always said you to win a championship. You need a guy like Marcus smart. We're going to find out this year if he is that guy for this team. You know, it, it's, it's been a hard road for him. Right. And it takes a big man for you to say what you just said. Adam. <laughs> does, does, does it? <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> You were just really opening up, and it, it I know. Me. I'm going to yeah. lie down on the couch soon. And <laughs> I, I have a lot to share, a lot to get off my chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you know what though? I mean, Marcus has been. Um, when you watch Marcus play, especially as a young player, you saw the future of the Celtics through him, right? That could they be this defensive team like he wants to be, like he wants them to be. And, there were a lot of times he seemed like an outlier defensively for them. Like, why can't they be more like him? Why can't he connect more with them, his teammates? Why can't they be on the same page? And you always kind of wondered, is there going to be a rift within the team over Marcus? Because he's demanding of his teammates to do things he does, but does he always carry them out himself? Does, mm -hmm. you know, his shot selection, how is that helping your defense when you're claiming threes off the rim and giving uh, long rebounds and easy chances at the other end? Um, and um, the, you know, the, the fiery play that gets you in trouble at times, uh, you know, the fouls and all that kind of stuff. He, he, he was sort of like a guy ahead of his time and he hadn't figured it out himself. He knew who he, he wanted to be. He knew what the team wanted it to be, but how could they get there? And now it's it's sort of all caught up. Everybody's there. Um, there aren't many shots that he takes now where you say, "Please don't shoot that shot." <laughs> you know, you want him to shoot them now, but he he does it. He does it right in the rhythm of the game. He does it when it's the right time to do it, and he's making so many of them now. Though so many of those threes, uh, you can see it's not forced when you're making them at the rate he is, and uh, at big times in the game there's a confidence built into it and he knows he has the confidence of his teammates. I think it's really hard to shoot those shots when you know, your teammates are saying, don't shoot that. <laughs> now, how, how much more pressure is there on you to make it? Right. You know, knowing that when you get back down the other end, you're going to be getting these looks from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So for when I, I think what we're going to do is look back at um, early in the year when Marcus um, went at, Jason and Jalen and said that they're holding on to the ball too much and that that did not blow up the team the way it blows up so many younger teams in the league 
uh, they can't get over a little thing like that. But on this team, um, I think there's enough, you can tell from the outside that there's enough respect between the best players, among the best players, including Marcus. And then you have a traffic cop in Ime who comes in and probably um, he's the one that probably confronts Marcus at times, probably in front of the other team. So Jason and Jalen don't have to be doing that. Mm -hmm. He's the one that says, Marcus, tone it down. Marcus, don't take that shot. Marcus, do this, do that. Right now it's all working great. Um, uh, and maybe it will go on for years, but right now it's, it's working great. The whole dynamic between all. Well, that's, it, it makes me laugh. Like smart, you know, recently, like this week, he, he took some crap, you know, from talking heads, you know, about like, he referred to himself in a press conference as the heart and soul of the team. And, and I know like that drives people crazy, but the, like, if you pay attention as it should, as it should. Sure, but it but it doesn't bother me as much only because Tatum, Brown, Ime, like Brad, Danny before, like we've all heard these people refer to Marcus Smart as the heart and soul of the team. So yeah, I mean maybe you shouldn't say it about yourself, yeah. but at least everyone else is on the record having said it about you. So, you know, it's like clearly any sort of I don't know, perceived or imaginary rifts that people like to believe exist behind the scenes. Uh, maybe they do. And and people just hand themselves different publicly. They wouldn't be the first to do it, obviously. But, but I, I do genuinely believe that he is appreciated internally as much as everybody says he is. I think there's been two guys like that for the last few years with a little bit of an interim period for one of them where um, with Al Horford, uh, especially during his first run with the Celtics, he would always hear how much his teammates appreciate him. And Danny Ainge would say he just, the team plays better with him, but the numbers didn't back it up. I mean, he was averaging single figures, uh, points and rebounds and for all that money. And people would say, God, he's, he's a waste of time. Why are they giving them all that money? But within the team, people loved him and they appreciated what he did. And they felt their winning records had a lot to do with him. And Marcus was the same. Uh, as much as people would be groaning when they take some of those pull-up three-pointers, uh, uh, you would hear the leadership of the Celtics saying, no, we we believe in this guy. And the, you weren't always sure whether they really believed in him at that moment, but maybe they believed in where they were going with him, what the mm. destination was. Uh, and you don't give up that potential because how many guys are there like Marcus, I, I know a guy, uh, he's a personnel director for another NBA team, and Marcus Smart is his favorite player in the NBA. Hmm. And he's, he tried to get his team to make trades for the guy. Uh, and the Celtics wouldn't give him up, or, or maybe there wasn't enough demand for him. He's not everybody's cup of tea, right? Not everybody's going to see it. But I think, I think Danny saw it. I think Brad saw it. I think Ime sees it. Uh, and and it's finally coming true. All all of that faith and and uh, foresight is really paying off. He's he's the guy now that they always thought and hoped he would be. Well, and he's you know especially, and this is something that we don't talk about it now. We're pretty much out of time. But we've I mean we've clamored on this show for months months. You know 
uh, about like just use smart as a point guard like actually use him in that role don't just have him like be the you know he's he's part of the starting five and he's like this interchangeable one like no use him as a point guard and and i mean i'm i'm just happy that that you know has come to fruition and that we are really seeing that next again evolution of smart's game because he's he's had to wait you know from and i'm not saying he should have gotten the opportunity so much earlier like you can understand the people who are in front of him but whether it was it you know rosier at points obviously irving kemba like he's had to wait and and now you know i just i now i just kind of laugh whenever i get tweets like well the celtics need to go out and get get a point guard this offseason like no they don't (laughs) i mean maybe they need to you know get another ball handler maybe they you know something like that and have, have a little bit more depth in that respect but their starting five shouldn't be touched like this is a, this is a, I mean, it, I, I don't know how you would modify it. It's like truly. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it, this, this works. Yeah, it does. And it's such a great point you're making about Marcus because, okay, the people that want, want them to go out and get a real point guard. Well, what's a real point guard by that definition? It's very often it's a finesse point guard. It's a guy that, that looks beautiful while he's playing. And, uh, you know, he shoots a high percentage and he puts up the numbers, you know, those Chris Paul numbers. Yeah. That, that's what people want. Um, but there are different types of quarterbacks. There are quarterbacks that throw for high percentages, but their teams never go anywhere uh, towards the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's other guys that are real football players, a quarterback and they show them that and that's the leadership they show they don't lead with their statistics they lead in another way that that you can't really articulate but everybody feels it everybody is stronger from being around it and that's really what i think they get from just from watching the games that's what they get from being around marcus smart they just they just feel stronger from being around that guy and I'm going to change the metaphor. It's like being around the middle linebacker. That's just, just clobbering everybody. You feel, you probably feel better as a cornerback <laughs> playing with, with, with Ray Lewis. Uh, so I, I just, I just think the guy is transcendent of analytics of these uh, individual stats. This show powered. Oh, go ahead. And, and you, you can't, you, you wouldn't, there. no, no, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't trade. You wouldn't trade um, Marcus's numbers for better numbers because your team would be worse. Yeah, that I don't. I mean, how much is? Never mind the whole like Chris Paul never win thing, and maybe he will, maybe he won't, but he hasn't to this point. I don't see Chris Paul diving all over the floor and and making some of those plays. It's you know the the hashtag the winning plays and all that. Powered by this show, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a fifty percent sign up bonus uh ian obviously you know first and foremost thank you so much for your time this is always a uh a a great pleasure and thrill for me but in addition to that hopefully we get uh another month of this because like i said i don't want it to end this is fun no it's it's been great to watch them play like this uh it's great to watch any team play like this really it is just for the sake of the sport but living in boston and watching the growth of these guys and the development of the franchise and all the key people in it taking on different roles along the way. Mm-hmm. It's It's been really cool to see this outcome so far. What will happen, who knows, but so far it's been, it's been a, just a great story to watch develop. 
Well, Evan Valenti, uh, in all likelihood, our producer, of course, who's not with us today. Uh, he is producing, but he's not, you know, he's distracted by the day job today. So we'll, we'll cut him some slack, but he'll have you next week. So, uh, who knows? All goes well. By the time that show's recorded, it could be a finals preview. Let's hope for the best, folks. For Ian Thompson, I am Adam Kaufman. Of course, for Evan, we thank you for being here with us. Rate, review, subscribe, all that great stuff for Celtics Beat. And uh, like I said, best of five going forward now. See what the Celtics need have in Game 3 on Saturday. See you later.